Hey friend, you're listening to Life Coach In Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. And I have a guest today, Helene Kaniak. And I met Helene through Genius Unlocked, which is a coaching institute where many people go to get their life coaching certifications in ICF and NLP. And I contract with that company to train some of their classes to train up coaches. And then I also coach for them a certain number of hours per week. So that's neither here or there. But I met Helene a couple years ago as she was pursuing some of her coaching certifications. And I wanted her to be a guest on the podcast. I fiercely pursued her several times to come be a guest on the show because Helene has a lot to share. Um, she's you guys are going to love her. She's so authentic. She's so honest. She's so articulate. And I was like, Helen, just come on and share your heart around kind of what it means to be your true self, what it means to be your most authentic self, uh, why coaching, what's important to you about that, and just share what's on your heart today. So with that, um, I did ask Helen to send me a bio. I said, how do you want me to introduce you? Because you have so many accolades. You have so many achievements we could talk about. What do you want to talk about? And that became an interesting discussion for us. And so I wanted to have that discussion live with all of you. So welcome, Helen. Hello. Hi. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm a longtime listener and big fan. So it's a huge honor to actually you know, be sitting across from you, so to speak, and joining you today. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. So tell us what was coming up for you when I asked you to send me a bio. Yeah. So when I sent you a bio, I realized I ended up sending you two different ones. Um, and the reason for that is as I was drafting the first bio, I realized that it really read more like a resume. And it made me wonder how much are people going to actually learn about who I am as a person if all they're reading and hearing about are the degrees and the certifications and you know the courses that I've taken. Mm-hmm. What does that actually tell you about me? And so the second bio actually focused a lot more on my qualities as a person the things I'm most proud of, the things that have motivated me through my life that actually allowed me to earn the accomplishments I did. And so even though it was a simple question of send in your bio, you're going to be a cool guest on a podcast. um, It left me with this immense conflict of what do I do? What what, what do I tell them? What do I show them? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I a thousand percent can relate to that, can connect with that. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about how alike we are, Helen, and our mm-hmm. kind of our tendency to do things and not that this is quote unquote, right or good. It's just kind of our bent that we're working on all the time is not trying to present this 
the perfect, most accomplished version of ourselves to the world and to water that down and just figure out who am I underneath all of that? Who am I without all of the trophies essentially? Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that'd be super fun for us to talk about. But before we do, I, I know my audience is curious, what are those things that are on your bio? Can you read us the first one or tell us what's on it? The one that you (laughs) didn't want to send me. The one that I didn't want to send you, the one with the accomplishments and the accolades. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So that one says that essentially for the last eight years, I've been working as a certified fraud examiner, a criminal investigator for the United States Air Force. I've got loads of experience working with people uh, who've experienced trauma, uh, work with people on their worst day. And um, because of that, I found myself wanting to help people in other areas of life, not just when they were sitting in front of me for criminal prosecution, but also when they needed help just in their day-to-day lives. I didn't want to wait for someone to be in a crisis. And so to that end, I also pursued, you know, nine international board-recognized certifications that you're aware of. Uh, So I'm a master certified coach. Um, I've helped over 70 people in the last year alone. Um, I'm an active member of the International Coaching Federation. um, And I've got, you know, a lived experience of having lived in two different countries, coaching in French and in English. And I have a lot of experience living and working abroad as well. So that's kind of cultivated my um, multifaceted experience in wanting to work with people and meet them wherever they're at. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So listening to you say all of that, Helen, there's several things coming up for me. I'm like, dang, this woman is accomplished. This woman is amazing. And to be honest, I find it a little bit intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like if you had just sent me that on paper and I've gotten to know you really, really well. So I'm no longer intimidated by you, Helen, because I know the real, not the real you, not that that's not the real you, but you and I have connected on a personal level Yeah, when I hear you read that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a little intimidated. What comes up for you when I say that? Yeah, um, I get that more often than I would like to. Oh, Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I think it's actually, it's very honest, right? Um, And that's what we're here for is honest and authentic conversations. Um, Yeah, it can be intimidating. And I find that honestly, it sets me up um, for greater pressure than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's funny because I, my resume might intimidate someone, Mm -hmm. um, but what it's really doing is it's setting a bar so high for myself before I even walk in the room. Um, and I find myself judging myself more harshly because of it than anyone else could possibly judge me. And so even though it's intimidating to you, what I realize when I do that and when I communicate that first is I'm saying, not only is this what you can expect of me, which is excellence and achievement, mm-hmm. but also this is how I want you to think of me and what I want you to compare me to every time I open my mouth. Right. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm assuming, so I, cause I know this, I just want to make sure this is really clear for everyone listening. That's what you've been working on and, and working mm-hmm. through. So you are on the other side of that, I would say, or, you know, messily on the other side of that, just like I'm messily on the other side. It comes up once in a while and we go, Oh wait, huh? 
remember my learnings, remember who I am. Um, yet I wanted to ask you, you know, what is a time in your life when you really were struggling with this the most, like struggling to be your true authentic self, really feeling like you had to wear that mask, um, and be that incredible, amazing, intimidating person. When was the most significant time for you? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I think back to this moment when I was getting, uh, I was actively pursuing my master's in business administration. So I was getting my MBA um, at the Naval Postgraduate School. And I remember vividly this moment where a classmate asked me, so what are your hobbies? And I told him, well, I go to the gym. And being in the military, he looked at me and he said, the gym isn't a hobby. We have to do that to stay fit for work. What are your hobbies? And I kind of froze. Um, I'd been in a relationship for about a year at that point, And I realized that all of my hobbies were really geared towards spending time with my significant other. Like being a good girlfriend was just another accomplishment on that list. Mm. You know, I was really riding the coattails of my past accomplishments, like being a student full-time, getting my MBA wasn't enough. And so that innocuous conversation really had me wondering, you know, what are my hobbies? Not things that I just like, but things that I'm actually doing and practicing that are exclusively for me, mm -hmm. that bring me joy, that I can't put on paper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that moment, I kind of felt lost um, and a little sad and kind of exhausted when I look back at everything I've done, all that to not have a hobby and not be able to make small talk. <laughs> like I have this big resume and I can't, even, I can't even answer a simple question of, so what do you like to do for fun? Yeah. Um, so it seems silly, but it was really kind of devastating in that moment because it made me question kind of everything I'd worked towards. Um, cause I had spent the last six years just doing and accomplishing but I had no idea how to have fun by my definition. And so it was kind of scary. You know, hearing you say this, Lynn, I'm like, there are so many people that can relate, including myself. I have been through that phase of life for most of my life. And we've, we've talked about this. For those of you that know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 3. Helen is an Enneagram eight. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it because we're basically just saying this is how we operate in the world as the identifying with this personality type. For me, I would say I can so relate to feeling like in social situations, I don't know who I am. That's one of the, or didn't, I should use past tense language. I didn't know who I was because kind of the same thing. I wanted to present the best version of myself and the best version of myself, as we talked about kind of through the bios depends on who you're hanging out with or what you're doing or what's expected of you. And that's something that I have really struggled to overcome. And actually that's why coaching became such a passion of mine was because for me, once I had that self-realization of, okay, without my trophy and my title and, you know, my award, I don't know who I am. I need to pursue figuring that out. That's kind of where my coaching journey began. Is that, was yours a similar story, Helen? Because I feel like maybe it's not a similar story because you just got into coaching three years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a couple of years ago. So it took me from that moment when uh, when he asked me what my hobbies were. That was my first wake up call. But mm-hmm. I hit the snooze button right on that wake up call as we do. And so a couple of years down the road, I found myself at a new peak, at a new pinnacle of my accomplishments. I owned a condo in Los Angeles. I finally got a dog for the first time that I'd always wanted my whole life. That was the first selfish decision, the first selfish decision I ever made was I got a dog. Wow. And I was so happy. I was like, great, I've got a dog. I've got a condo. I finally have a hobby. I was swing dancing seven hours a week. Um, and I had what I thought was my dream job at the time, yet I felt this kind of empty void, uh, Mm -hmm. and dissatisfaction. And I was so confused because I thought, well, I've checked all my boxes. Are you telling me that I peaked at the age of 26? Like, Mm -hmm. is that, is that what happened? Like, what do I do now? Yeah. So the first time I reached out, you know, to coaching for help is, I just saw my friend was putting on a webinar and um, I thought, well, let me just support her. I wasn't even doing this for me. I didn't even start because I wanted something out of it. I started just to support somebody else, which is classic. I love that. <laughs> I love that story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But when I did the webinar, um, I realized that what I thought I wanted at the time was more boxes to check. Like, mm-hmm. great. I'm ready. I know what to do. Just tell me what's next. Like, Tell me what the next box I need to check is. Give me a plan and I'll do it. Um, And what I actually ended up learning through the process of coaching was to embrace uncertainty is who am I when there is no plan and how do I learn to love and enjoy life and experience life as a fun, satisfying thing without worrying about the next box I need to check. Wow. That's how I came into coaching. Okay. You just said something so profound. I actually want to repeat it because like that one hit me with a ton of bricks. You said, who am I when there is no plan? Mm. Who am I when there's not another box to check? And I think so many people can relate to that. It's like, who am I? What does that even mean? It's so, such a big question, right? It's so, it's so massive that sometimes the only answer that people can think of to go to is my resume is who I am, or this title is who I am. Even being a mom can be a title, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm a mom. That's who I am. But if we take that title away, I don't know who I am. I'm just kind of flailing. And so as you began to unravel, who am I? What, what, tell me about some of those lessons that you started to learn. Yeah. So one of the big things I learned and appreciated uh, through coaching was that I needed that external perspective, because like you said, from mine, I was all my titles. I was all my accomplishments, right? I was a special special agent. I was an active duty military member. I was an officer. You know, I had degrees. I was educated, but um, I didn't actually see in me the qualities that other people saw in me. And so one of the first things I learned was to actually lean on others for not only their perspective, but for their support and to look at my identity outside of who I thought I was. Yeah. And so asking my friends, you know, what do you see me at? Like, who do you see me as? What are the things about me that you love? 
Um, what are those qualities and characteristics of myself that you admire and appreciate? And I really needed that to combat this hypercritical thought process that I had. I was so trained to police myself and criticize myself and focus on the next task ahead. And I never actually learned to be you know, present and enjoying who I was. And so listening to other people was the first lesson, ironically, not to tell me who I was, but to kind of hold up a mirror and show me the label from outside the jar. Right. Um, and the second thing was really learning to be present um, and feeling my feelings, acknowledging them, yes. <laughs> sweeping them under the rug and uh, focusing on the what, the feel, focusing on the how I feel. Right. And then, you know, the, the third thing was really practicing it. So once I figured out who I was, once I acknowledged the parts of me that I did like, mm-hmm. you know, that I, that really brought me joy. And once I allowed myself to feel all of the feelings, including joy, then it was just a matter of practicing it. Yeah. of really kind of setting that intention and saying, okay, in this given situation, let me not try to be right. Let me not try to do my best. Let me not try to do anything. Mm. Let me just be and see what happens. See how I feel. See what my thoughts become because of it. Yes. Wow. So that brings a follow-up question for me, for my how listeners. And they're hearing you say, you know, I had to learn to find myself who I am. And then I put that into practice. Can you chunk that down a little bit, Helen? Give my how listeners a little bit of insight as to how do you do that? If I don't know who I am, I don't know how to practice that. What are some of those things that you did? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first thing is if you can connect to a positive emotion, be that joy, excitement, I would sit there and I would think back to a time, thanks to my coach who guided me through this process, I would think back to a time when I felt really excited or like I was having a lot of fun. And I went back and put myself back in my shoes for when I really enjoyed myself. And then I took notice of what was happening. What was I doing? Who was I surrounded by? And that's the information that I used because I'm definitely an analytical person. (laughs) I use that. I gathered that data and I thought, oh, once I did that with a few different events in my life, I noticed a pattern. So I noticed that I really find myself joyful and excited in social situations. Mm. I noticed that I really enjoy, you know, helping people and supporting people, especially one-on-one that I've always loved deeper conversations, um, that I love uh, dancing and jazz music. Um, And so those were the pieces of evidence that I needed to gather to remind myself that I could have fun and do that on my own. Like once I had the what, Mm -hmm. I just had to create that for myself. Yes. So that, yeah. So, so, so empowering because what you just said is first of all, I just cannot say enough good things about coaching in and of itself because unconsciously, right? Meaning you weren't aware, you unconsciously had joy and fun doing these different things. 
dancing and supporting people and being in social situations, but consciously of what you were aware of, you didn't know how to be your true authentic self. You didn't know how to create more joy in your life. And all your coach had to say to you was, why don't you think about it for a minute? Let's go back and remember. Can you remember a time when you felt totally joyful? Can you remember a time when you felt like your true authentic self? And you're like, oh yes, I can. I was dancing. I was supporting people one-on-one. I was going out and doing things for myself for fun. And then that's what I just wanted people to understand about what you just said is these are such practical things. They're not hard. It's not like, well, it's that sometimes people hear things and they go, well, that's too easy. Don't I have to climb Mount Everest in order to get to the other side? <laughs> and it's like, no, it's so, so simple because unconsciously we know all our coaches are doing are helping us tap in to what is unconscious. So we're aware of how to create more of what we want in our life. And so tell me, Helen, what was creating more of what you want in your life? What was on the other side of that for you? Like, who did you really tap into qualities and characteristics wise about getting to the other side of this? Yeah. Um, I really, found myself surrounding myself with people who reminded me of the best qualities within me. Mm. And so that was the compassionate, inquisitive, curious person that I am. Um, I also found myself allowing myself to be empathetic without worrying about, you know, self-sacrificing and being, uh, and exhausting myself and trying to help others. Mm. I allowed myself to kind of be unapologetic. And I know that word is kind of a buzzword, but I've definitely experienced levels of unapologetic, right? Um, right? And so to be unapologetically yourself in all circumstances Mm. is a challenge. And as an Enneagram eight who loves a challenge, that was really fun for me to tap into, you know, how do I walk into a military commander's office and crack a joke? Right. I have a sense of humor. Um, pretty (laughs) But I couldn't, I couldn't repress that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, being funny, being compassionate, being direct, that was something that, you know, in the past, someone might've called it abrasive. And then <laughs> I realized, no, um, actually I'm just, I'm honest and direct. And the people who appreciate that kind of communication style, you know, come to me for that. They come to me because I allow them now as a coach to kind of see past the lies and the BS that they've been telling themselves. Right. They come to me because they want the honest truth. And the commanders came to me and did the same thing. And so that thing, that abrasiveness that I used to feel about myself actually became one of my greatest assets. And I've been able to use that and harness that in coaching, in the military, in my friendships, in my relationships. And I think that's the best example of, you know, unearthing a positive quality about yourself and then taking that with you into the next iteration. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really feel like people are getting so much out of this just in terms of number one, just relating. This is so relatable as human beings, right? Like when you said, how do I walk into my commanding officer's office and make a joke? I 
cracked up because that was me. I was like, my, I have my work version of myself, which is super serious and no fun at all. And then I have like my go out with my friends version of myself, which is fun and silly. Um, but those two pieces of myself were so disconnected for so long. And you guys who are listening, that's not holistic. That's not living your true authentic self. That's living in segmented boxes of who you are. And what we want to do as coaches is integrate that. So you have one true version of yourself all the time. It's so freeing. Yeah. And I, I want to add something that you made me think of when you mentioned climbing Mount Everest. So to add to the list of hilarious accolades is before I found coaching and the way I actually met my coach is I decided to go on a trek in the Himalayas in Nepal. <laughs> you did not. This is so great. I did not know that when I made that analogy. <laughs> but I think it's perfect. So you're right. You don't have to go on the trek, but actually here's what was so powerful about that yeah. is that was the first time in my life that I actually felt seen in a group of people. Wow. So, yeah. I had, I joined this trip of friendly Canadians, none of whom I had met before. And I went and spent a month with them in Nepal. Oh my God. I kind of like signed up through Instagram uh, because I had liked a small business that was running it. And so I really, that was a big inherently like self-centered, selfish, like entirely for me decision, just like my dog, right? Dog was the first one. <laughs> the Himalayan trip was the second one. And what that trip showed me, it wasn't about the miles that I walked. It wasn't about the accomplishment of having done it. For all of the group trainings I'd been a part of in the military, being surrounded by like 18 Canadians who mm -hmm. were all like physical therapists and yoga instructors and were really, they were all doing the work, like as we say in the community, but like three of them were life coaches. And that was the first time I'd ever felt totally relaxed and at ease and seen. I didn't have to prove anything to anyone. Yeah. And people were willing to be vulnerable with themselves and with me to create that environment. And so I wanted to share that because not only is that how I first met my life coach, which started me on this journey, but it really emphasizes the point that a support system, right? Whether it's through a coach, whether it's through a community, really can help you, you know, create the life that you want by kind of elevating the expectation that you have for yourself. And it can do it gently and it can do it kindly and it can do it through surrounding yourself by people who want to support you, who want what's best for you based on what you want, which is exactly what we do as coaches, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And, you know, normally when I'm just by myself recording, I'll make a list of tips for people to practically apply to their life. And one of the tips that I feel like I repeat it so much to the point where I'm like, do I need to say this again? Like I, it is on every episode probably is a support system. And then I define what that should look like for people who don't know. And what you're describing, Helen, is exactly the tips that I'm trying to get people to take action on is your support system should be vulnerable. Your support system should encourage vulnerability. Your support system should be good at active listening. 
And if you don't have that, that's okay. You just tell the universe, you tell God, that's what I want. And you try a few different communities until you find one. But what I want people to take away from this as far as, okay, how do I practice this? Find a community that starts with vulnerability. Because if you're in a community that everyone else is, I must wear a mask, I must present my accolades, I must be this perfect version of myself. Well, you can still start there, but guess what? You're going to have to be the leader. You're the one that's going to have to lead with authenticity and see where it goes. And sometimes that's going to work. Sometimes it's going to work immediately. And sometimes you're going to get a lot of pushback. And if you're in the position where you're like, I can't handle pushback because I need to be led, then find a community of people who will start with vulnerability and authenticity. I love that. That is so powerful, Rachel, especially that distinction between you know, finding a community that starts with vulnerability as opposed to one that's still relying on the mask and the resume and that kind of networking event vibe. <laughs> that's what I pictured. I pictured the last networking event I went to. Um, and I, I, I live in the DC area, in the Washington DC area, and it has a reputation for being known as, you know, the place where the first question anyone asks you is, what do you do? Yeah. And, you know, they have to answer with this title. And What's so funny is that because everyone here has a title, everyone here is accomplished, everyone here works for the government, it's really all kind of meaningless and it doesn't tell anyone anything. Yeah. Uh, so it's really funny hearing that here because it can be hard to find that, that vulnerable community when everyone's relying on their resume to get them what they want to check that next box in their life. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, again, if you're at a place where you're like, I'm just going to be vulnerable and see what happens, do it. Because I can point to the most successful people on the planet and say their vulnerability got them there. Like the the people that come up for me are like, let's look at Oprah. Mm -hmm. Why is Oprah so successful? Because she's honest, because she's vulnerable about her life struggles. Like everybody knows Oprah struggles with her weight. Mm -hmm. And she openly talks about that because she knows that the secret to friendship and the secret to connection is actually vulnerability. Nobody wants to connect with somebody who's perfect and has it all together. Cause the only thing that comes up for them in their mind is, well, I'm not perfect and I don't have it all together. So how can I be friends with them? And so it's, I guess what I'm beating a dead horse here when I just am encouraging people to be honest and true. Yeah. And you know, I know that's a value that you have, Helen, and um, I know that you have a webinar coming up. Is it about, it's some, it's kind of related to what we're talking about. So I wanted to throw it out there. What is the, your webinar about? Yeah. So uh, my webinar is actually, it's called Consistent Confidence. And the way that it relates to what we were talking about is this notion that a lot of people and I interviewed 40 people in preparation for this webinar, just about confidence, authenticity, and vulnerability. Mm. And what I found is that most people still have this definition of confidence that has to be earned. Mm, yes. that confidence is basically competence. Right. And that's back into like, you know, how we feel walking into a room, how comfortable we feel in our own skin, which is how a lot of people define confidence was really based on how much experience they had doing that thing. Yeah. How many years on their resume 
reflected how competent they were allowed to feel and how confident they got to feel. Yeah. And so in hearing that, I really set out to kind of devise this webinar to help people see how you don't have to have circumstantial confidence. You can have confidence consistently so that it's not just waiting on the environment to allow you to feel comfortable in your own skin, that you can choose and practice being comfortable in your own skin first, and then take that version of yourself, that comfortable version of yourself into any room that you go into. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you said something that I wrote it down because I was like, that is a great line, circumstantial confidence. And I think every human on the planet can relate to circumstantial confidence. It's like, well, how competent am I at this? Like how many times have I done this before? Have I received praise about this before? Have I gotten good feedback about this before? Because those are quote unquote, the things that make me feel competent and confident versus what you're saying is how can we just show up as confident all the time? Um, So can you give us a teaser? Like give us just one tip. How can we show up as more confident? (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things that we have to do first and foremost, because it is about, you know, showing up as we are, which means we have to figure out who that is. And so one of kind of those first tips is being able to trust yourself, which means knowing yourself. Um, And that doesn't just mean, you know, knowing what your favorite color is. That also means knowing what your values are. And so in this webinar, we're actually going to like look at our values for success and we're going to try to figure out, okay, which of these values are serving us and allowing us to actually be confident and which are holding us back from being comfortable in our own skin. Yes. Okay. As a coach, I'm like geeking out because I know exactly what you're going to do, right? I've done this process before and I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing that's really exciting. So for people who are like, what does that mean? My values for success, just show up because this exercise, finding your values for success is going to teach you so much about how you operate unconsciously. Our values are totally unconscious to us, right? We have some that we're aware of like, oh, I value freedom or I value my time. I value my family come and show up to this webinar because there are so many unconscious values at play that impact your behavior and you aren't aware of it. And so what Helene is saying that she's going to do is she's going to take what you're unaware of in your life, what you're unconscious about and pull it into the conscious so that you can look at this list of values and go, I completely understand myself. I completely understand my behavior. I completely understand what I'm chasing after, what my definition of success even is what my definition of who I am even is. And so I would just encourage everyone listening to come to this webinar. So Helene, when is it? It, How much is it? Uh, Is it recorded? Like, how do we get to this webinar? Yeah, absolutely. So this webinar is on September 20th. It's Tuesday, September 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be 90 minutes. So it's going to go from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it will be recorded. So if people can't make that time, it will absolutely be recorded. And it's totally free. Um, Yeah, I decided to make it free because one, I saw how many people really like were struggling with this definition of confidence in the first place. Um, And also because 
if I'm an advocate of creating connection, I want to be able to do that as easily as possible and connect with as many people as possible because I really do believe in that ripple effect. And so I'm really excited. I just would love to see as many different perspectives show up uh, on this webinar. Um, yeah, so it's free September 20th, 8 p.m. Eastern time, and it will be recorded. Perfect. So what I'll do for people who are listening and they're like, free? Heck yeah, that is a no brainer. Um, all you have to do is I'll leave a link to Helen's webinar in the show notes. So you just scroll down on your device. You'll see that link there. Click on that link and you just register. It'll probably ask for your first and last name and your email. And that's just so Zoom can send you the registration code and a Zoom reminder. Um, and then, of course, if you can't make it, you'll get the recorded version via uh, that email address. So that's exciting. I'm going to go. I'm going. I'm going to show up to this, Lynn. I'm really excited. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited too. I, I'm really grateful to be able to like put this on and to take the information I've gathered and, and share that. Fantastic. Well, I, I just want to say thank you so much, Helen, for showing up and teaching us more about what it means to be our true authentic self. It's a message that I think a lot of coaches talk about, like be your authentic self, be your authentic self, be your authentic self. And that doesn't mean anything to people unless they understand um, what it's like to not be the true authentic self and what it feels like to be the true authentic self. And really when you broke down what that means, that to me was golden. So I just really want to thank you for your time today. Well, thank you, Rachel. And thank you for allowing me to be here and share, you know, my, the messy parts of my life that led me here. So I can actually experience the joy and the satisfaction of, you know, being a human being instead of just <laughs> performing a resume. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Helen. Um, I'll have to have you on the show again because that was great. And um, I will see you on September 20th. Anytime. Thank you, Rachel. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.